0: So excited for what the Lord is doing and to be able to stand and uh, hear testimony and the opportunity, as Tyler said, to say, Lord, would you do that again in my life? And so I'm excited and privileged to continue in the series on anchors. And, um, you know, we're talking about holding fast in the middle of life's crisis. And so what I want to focus on today is the God that rescues and delivers The God who rescues and delivers. I have very little, you know, I was thinking about anchors and and boating and stuff. I think some of you have heard my boating stories. I've owned two, sunk them both. Um, It's the weirdest thing when you look back after you launch a boat and all your stuff has this float look as the boat is getting smaller and smaller. Um, I also had an issue with an anchor, no surprise, where we were trying to fish off of uh, an edge and then there was a drop off and I was pretty sure that we had, uh, It's a small boat, pretty sure that we had, lodged the anchor very nicely into the ground and tied us off and we wanted to fish uh, that area. It was kind of out a little ways, so um, slowly but surely we began to drift and being excited about catching fish and doing what we were doing, we didn't notice how far uh, we had floated away. So luckily we had just enough gas to get into view of other people so they could help us the rest of the way. Well, in speaking about anchors and what we're talking about, you know, an anchor is something that holds you firm. It's something, if you think of a boat, you put it in, it grabs hold to, to the seabed and it holds you there or the lake or whatever it is. And as we're talking about anchors during this, you know, in a season of, of life storms, we want to, for me, I, I was thinking about what are the anchors that I hold on to? What are the things that I come across when the storms get difficult, the waves get high, the pressure is on, or I'm just in that place? What are those anchors that we hold on to? And for me, one of them is what I'm going to be talking about today, which is the God that rescues and delivers. Because for me, what I found is that we serve a God who rescues He's the God who saves, the God who changes season. He's the dependable God, the involved God, the vocal God. He's not one who forgets or leaves behind or ignores. He doesn't abandon or walk away from, but he is the God who delivers. And when we look all through scripture, you can find story among story. You can find situation upon situation where God's people or person one of, one of his people found himself in a place of storm or desperation and the Lord came through. Some of the ones I was thinking about was Daniel when he was thrown into the lion's den and the Lord sent an angel to close the mouth of the lion. Or there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were tossed into a fiery furnace. And though the people that threw them in were burned, uh, these guys didn't. And the story says the king looked in there and he goes, wait, didn't we throw three people in there and why, is, why do I see four? And one looks like the son of man. Jesus was in there with them. How about Moses leading the Israelites out of, Je- out of Egypt and Pharaoh's army was right on their tail. And there's so many more. But we have a God who has a history of rescuing and deliverance, amen? amen. And so that's what we wanna talk. I hope that today gives you a measure of hope and something to grab onto when you're in those places of storms because we always have storms. They always happen. They always go on, some bigger than others, but there are anchors that we can grab onto that help us stay steady in the midst of those storms. See, the enemy can use storms as an attempt to derail us, to get our eyes off of Jesus. He tries to get us to forget who our God is And to become overwhelmed and fixated with the storm itself. And God wants to remind us, I believe even today, that he'll rescue us and he'll deliver us. He is this amazing God who's bigger than any storm we can face and has the ability to calm it, to move it aside, to push it away on our behalf. So one of the things I want to do today is I kind of want to look at at the difference between Um, I want to talk about the story of David and Goliath. And I know we're very familiar with this, but I actually want to spend time looking at the difference between how the army of Israel responded and how David responded. Because I think there's a couple things that we can capture from David and we can use as a weapon when we're in the place of a storm, of one of life's storms. And so I, I just, you know, the story of David and Goliath, David is at home Uh, tending sheep his dad says hey this is my paraphrase hey take these lunches to your brothers and bring back word how are they doing and so he runs over there he leaves the lunches with the person that's watching all the stuff and he runs out there as they're getting ready to go to battle and so he begins to ask people oh my gosh that guy's defying you know he's shouting these defiant things and who's who's going to take care of this guy and they all stand there and they don't respond right away. And David keeps asking and then his brothers get mad. Like, why do you keep asking this? Go, go go, with those couple sheep I left with you. And David sees an opportunity before him. But before I get more into David's story, I want us to consider the armies of Israel. I want us to think about what their view was and what they thought in this storm. Because they were standing from one hill to another and a, and a valley in between. And what was happening is Goliath was coming out, and he was challenging them to a fight. And uh, in 1 Samuel 17:4, it says a champion named Goliath. I, you know, I'm very animated, so I get. You know that guy that does boxing? The Let's Get Ready to Rumble. You know that guy? That's kind of like what I hear. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath. His height was six cubits and one half span. You know, it's just goes through this thing, he had a bronze helmet on his head, he wore a coat of scale armor, a bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. His legs wore bronze greaves, bronze javelin, he slung on his back, this guy's huge, he's big and he's mean, right? And for some reason I go, you know, I don't think David penned these words. I don't think David was the one that took down note of who Goliath was. But the army of Israel did. And how do I know that? Because a later part in 1 Samuel 17, 11, it says, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. And then it says in verse 16, for 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening, and he took his stand. For 40 days, all they saw was this massive giant who came out, a huge man, all geared up, ready for battle, and he's challenging Israel, and he's saying, your God's not gonna do anything, and I'm gonna slap you silly, and I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do that. Send someone to fight me, and whoever wins, then the other one will serve them. And everyone's going, yeah, I'm not gonna do it. And even Saul, who we knew was a big guy, head and shoulders taller than others, was going, yeah, I'm not going out there. So for 40 days, this is going on. And all, they could, all we could see about their condition, dismayed and terrified. That 40 days is a long time, isn't it? For 40 days, they had to listen to his insults. For 40 days. I'm thinking maybe about day one, two, or three, someone was like, hey, should we go take this guy out? Who's gonna do it? Well, once you do it? Well, I'm not gonna do it. Why don't you do it? It's not gonna be me, you do it. Maybe Saul should do it. And after a little while, you just quiet down. You know, I've been scared before. I, I've been terrified before. To be like that for 40 days and not having a solution, that, that's gotta drain you. So here we find the Israel army 40 days into this and they're struck still with being dismayed and terrified. No one's doing anything, except they're just staying out there. Dad's like, hey, go see how the fight's going. David could have come back and said, really, there's no fight going. They're just shouting at each other. What? But I want us to look at David. And I'm going to read the rest of the story, picking it up from when David's talking with Saul. Because he goes to Saul and he says, look, I'll take this guy out. And I want to read the story. And then like I said, I just want to pull three things that I think we should arm ourselves with in understanding and knowing who God is in whatever Battle in whatever storm you face, whatever stands in opposition to you to carry these into that battle with you. So I'm gonna pick it up in 1 Samuel 17, 34. And it's gonna be up there, but I'm also gonna jump a little because it's a long, long story. Verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine." Verse 40, then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch of a shepherd's bag, and with this sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Let me pause real quick. What happened before that is Saul said, well, here, take this, put on my armor, take my sword. And he's like, I, I, this isn't me, I can't do this. This isn't what's gonna do this. He says, I can't wear this, and he lets it be. So then that's what he does. He takes his staff, five stones. Verse 41. Meanwhile the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him, how big was the shield bearer? I you know, I get these images. Mean, here comes Goliath, you know, it's like boom, boom. Was it just this little guy that was like trying to keep you up and he's trying to carry? I mean, how big was the shield bearer? He's just, how big was his shield? And his three shield bearers approached. That's big man. So with the sheep held in front of him, he kept coming closer to David. He looks at David and he saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come with me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, I'll give your flesh to the birds and and the wild animals. Verse 45, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defiled. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel." All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Verse 48, and the Philistine moved closer to attack him. David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag, taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand he struck down the Philistine and he killed him David ran and stood over him he took hold of the Philistine's sword drew it from its sheath after he killed him he cut off his head with the sword when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead they turned and ran then the men of Israel of Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron their dead were thrown along the Sherem Road to Gath and Ekron. So these two situations that are going on. The armies are dismayed and full of fear and David seems to come out of nowhere and goes, guys, this is simple. And he goes to Saul and he goes, don't lose heart. I'll take this guy. Well, here, you need this stuff. No, I don't. I'll take this guy. And he, he gets he gets rid of Goliath. So as I said, I want us to, look at three things that David carried into battle with understanding who God was that I want us to begin to carry as well. And the first thing is he carried a testimony. David carried a testimony. See, when I look back over my life and I take time to remember the lions and the bears, I thought for sure someone would say, oh my, that the Lord had rescued me from The giant that stand sorry, sorry, sorry. Remember the lion and bears the Lord has rescued from. And the giant that stands in front of us today, this day, he gets smaller because we are reminded of who or how big God really is. Take a testimony. When all hope is gone, when we find ourselves at the end of the rope, when we, we have no strength left, God comes through. Remember those times when the Israelites went through the Jordan at flood stage the Lord stops up the water they get across on the way says grab 12 rocks in the middle of the Jordan and set it up on the other side wow, why do we have to get 12 rocks they carried it on their shoulder it wasn't like I got mine no they're big rocks right they set it up on the other side why so if they ever walking around the Jordan and, the, and one of their kids goes hey dad what's all those rocks stacked up like that they go come here son let me tell you we walked across it. there's no way dad no seriously this is what happened we were and he poured it dad look how full it is yeah i know let me tell you how big our god is so the testimony and the miracle that happens gets shared with all of the kids everyone who looks at the god i we wonder wonder what this is here for i've been backpacking up in desolation wilderness in california and i've come across places where people stack stones and i thought i wonder why this is here i wonder what they wanted to mark so that later when they come back by this mark again they could say so carry a testimony david did 1 samuel 17 36 your servant has killed both the lion and the bear this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Why? Because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. He didn't say teddy bear. Bear. I couldn't help it. I had to look up some stuff. Do you know how much pressure a lion's bite has? 650 PSI. A bear has a 1,000 a bear can crush a bowling ball in his mouth. Wow. I can't even roll one right. <laughs> Think about the power it takes to smash a bowling ball. A lion, 400 pounds at one swipe of his paw. A bear, it's 500 pounds. But just in curiosity, just this free, if they fought each other, the lion would win every time, even though the bear is, is, is stronger just because of his quickness and other things and where he would grasp. So when David, think back now, now David pulled the sheep out of its mouth and it turned on him and he grabbed it by the hair. If I'm in that scene, I grab the lamb and the lion looks and I'm way over there running as fast as I can. Right, or I sneak up with something that's gonna get rid of Something that can crush a bowling ball in its mouth. David doesn't go, you know how strong I am? You know how bad I am? You know what I can kill? That's not what he says. He says, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he's going res- to rescue me from the hand of this Philistine that stands before us today. Carry a testimony. If you're, if you're in Christ, I'm telling you right now, you have a testimony. Some place or another, even if you just came to Christ, that's your testimony. Some place or another, you have, I always like to say it like this. If you take a moment and look back at your life, you're going to see the trophies of God lining the path you're walking on. You're going to see mountains split in two like this. You're going to see things tossed way over there because of the Lord carrying you through that. Just take a moment and look back. It's important for us to carry the testimony so Write them down. When the Lord comes through, write it down. Have a book. Tell your kids. Write them down. Talk about it often. Put up stones if you need to. One of the houses that we lived in in Texas, we carved. We had a flagstone, and we literally got a Dremel and carved in the testimonies of the God all the way up to the all, all the way up to the front of the house. We met the owners that were moving in there, so we just took them and we turned them upside down. They weren't believers. And we said, Lord, when they find these, let this be a testimony to where they're at. I have a string of testimonies in my life and I remember them often. I came to Atlanta from, from Katy, Texas. I had planted a church in Katy, Texas and the Lord called us here. People go, wasn't that a hard move? No, because the Lord was very clear. I went to Katy, Texas after 17 years in ministry in Sacramento, California, and I went to Katy to plant a church. Was that tough? Going to a different country? Almost. <laughs> I love Texas, just kidding. <laughs> going to another state, isn't that difficult? No, because the Lord's the one that said to go. From Before Sacramento, I moved from Santa Rosa, California. I was the highest paid district manager of a financial company in California. I had a great job. And the Lord said, let it go and go to Sacramento, go to the land. I will show you. That's pretty much what it was. That was my wife laughing. She knows, (laughs) but before, yeah, she was there before Santa Rosa. I lived in Hanford, California, where I was a volunteer in youth ministry and began a career. And the Lord said, go to Santa Rosa. Was that hard? It was, but the Lord was behind it and he said, you need to go. That's the whole testimony itself I could share. And before that was Fullerton, California where I was at college and I moved to Hanford, leaving college to start a career. All of those stand as testimonies and every single one of them have a crazy aspect of how the the Lord took us through. So when he said in the midst of success and things going on in Katy, Texas, Tom, we want you to go to Atlanta. I remember I covered the phone and I looked at Michelle and I said, we're moving to Atlanta. As a matter of fact, I told my son, is he in here? Yeah. Is he on sound? Because he'll mute me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I told my son, Hey, we're moving to Atlanta, and you know, you're a young adult. We want to give you the option to choose whether you stay here in Texas or whether you move with us. And it was it was a hard thing to give him this choice because we wanted him to come with us. And it was like really quick, he came back to us and said, I'm going. And I said, really? He goes, yeah, I'm going. I said, why? He goes, I can see how good it's been in the Lord taking us along. If the Lord's calling you to Atlanta, I want to be a part of it. We gotta hold on to that testimony because the enemy is gonna create a storm to go, hey, I know that he took you from Fullerton to Hanford, to Hanford, to Santa Rosa, Santa Rosa, Sacramento, Sacramento to Katy, Katy to Atlanta, but here the Lord leaves you. Here, the Lord goes, yeah, I've had enough. I've decided to find someone else. Here, the Lord goes, sorry, I was paying attention to something else. No, it doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Testimonies are a powerful weapon that you walk into a storm with, you can beat that storm like crazy. You can slap the smile off that storm's face. Because you have armed with you, not the things that you accomplished. None of these are things that I did. David didn't say, you know, the Lord was there, but I got the bear and the lion. They were just about to kill me. No, it was all because of the Lord. Every single one of these, it's all the trophies of the Lord. What I did is I followed. I just said, where, Lord? I just said, how, Lord? And I went that way. You you have those two. Don't let the enemy bury the testimonies from your past because they're everywhere and if you've never started keeping track of them start keeping track of them now start writing it down every prayer request write it down and write the answer and I still have some that I'm waiting for I still have some that I'm asking the Lord for but when they come through they're going to be added this is what the Lord did and there's going to be the answer and we're going to talk to our kids about it carry the testimony with you when you're in a storm number two Walk in confidence. This is what David did. He walked in confidence. In verse 48, as the Philistines moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. It says, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he didn't even have a stone in his sling yet. That's confidence. As he's running, he's trying to get in his little pouch so he could get his stone and put it in his sling. That's confidence. That's David going, I know how this ends and it's not with my death. How does David have such confidence? Because when Samuel anointed him with oil and declared him king, at this point he was not yet king. Has confidence because he knows who the Lord is. Psalm 27, Tyler referenced this earlier. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. And you can put anything you want. Some trust in your own ability or your great wisdom or the way you could think or problem solve or whatever you want to put in there. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Because he's the only one that in a moment goes, wind, be still, water's calm, and they are boom, just like that. And disciples that have been with him crossing the sea go wow who's this guy that even the wind and the waves obey that's our lord i want to read something to you i I don't have it up there and i'm not going to read the whole thing but it's homework for you how's that everyone like homework yes tom we love homework second samuel 22 it's really easy Two samuel 2 2 i want you to read this i'm just going to read parts of it Because it starts off by saying, David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and the hand of Saul. He said this, the Lord is my rock, my fortress. Wow, I haven't even started reading it. might have to come back to this. My fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock, whom I take refuge. My shield, the horn of my salvation. He's my stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. From violent people, you've saved me. I call to the Lord, who is worthy of praise and have been saved from my enemies The waves of death swirled around me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to God and from his temple, he heard my voice. He heard my cry to his ears. Let me just skip down. Verse 17, he reached down from on high and he took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from the powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. And then it ends with this. The Lord lives Praise be to the rock, my rock. Exalted be my God, the rock, my savior. He's the God who avenges me, who puts the nations under me, who sets me free from my enemies, who exalts me above my foes. From a violent man, you rescued me. Therefore, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing the praises of your name. He gives his great king victories. He shows unfailing kindness to his anointed, to David, his descendants forever. This could be your song. Because it's mine. This should be our song. It's Russell and Anne Marie's. He is the God who rescues and delivers no matter what. Sorry. So, number three hang on his promises. Hang on his promises. Because I believe in every calling, in every direction the Lord gives, there always stands a promise. He doesn't send us without a promise. When he calls us, there's a promise. When he gives us the direction, there's a promise. There always stands a promise. And sometimes if we don't find it, we got to go looking for it. Because it's there. Guaranteed. For David, as I said, he was anointed king by Samuel in front of his whole family, and he wasn't king yet. And he acted as a man that knew there was more coming than what stood before him today. He knew that his end wasn't with Goliath and in that battle right then in the moment. Maybe he didn't know how it was gonna go. Maybe he didn't know how it was all gonna come to pass, but he knew this isn't where it ends. I'm gonna have victory in this. In Exodus 13, Well, in Exodus 14, sorry, verse 10, as Pharaoh approached the Israelites, sorry, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve here as Egyptians? I don't remember that line. Anyway, It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. I love this. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. When you're standing in front of that storm, You walk in there with the confidence of knowing this, that that enemy that stands before you today, you're never gonna see again because he's gonna be added to the trophies and to the mountains and of the other things that are behind you in your path of the Lord leading you to this place. We're all here today, right? Everyone in this room is here. You can look back and see the Lord in the trophies and the mountains. And the enemies that stand before us today will never see them again. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous when Moses is telling Joshua to go and take the promised land. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them for the Lord your God goes with you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. God goes with us and he's never gonna leave us or forsake us. Jesus says in Matthew 28, 20, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The God who starts you on a journey is gonna see you through. The God that sends you to a city is gonna be next to you and walk you through. The God who points a direction is gonna walk every single step along the way. So carry a testimony. Testimony walk in confidence and hang on to his promise. I love the testimony today. Yeah. Russell and Anne-Marie, they clung to that promise. You know, when, when Michelle and I, we had had Matthew, our firstborn, and then we went through a series of loss. We lost one really, uh, a child very early uh, through a tubal pregnancy. And then it was funny because, well, it's not funny, um, bad context. Um, uh, the doctor said, um, that was your good tube. You know, the other one, uh, too bad it wasn't in the other one. And so they're like, you know, you're going to have trouble having kids. Well, you know, the end of the story, right? But so tubal pregnancy happened. Then we lost one early and then we lost, lost one later. And so you go through that, the long battle it, man, it's tough. It's not easy. I'm not saying that the storms are easy. But I'm just saying let's look at the God who takes him through. Because then the day came when Michelle was pregnant and she was pregnant, pregnant with our first daughter Amaris. Do you know what Amaris means? God's promise fulfilled. We picked it specifically. It's a Hebrew word that means God's promise fulfilled. So when she's in 3rd grade and they're like, Amaris, sit down. They're saying God's promise fulfilled, sit down. She would be declared again and again and again. That's why we named her Maris. So if you don't know, I have five children. Hold on to the promise. Storms are gonna come. And and the Lord is gonna try, not the Lord, the enemy is gonna try really hard to grab our attention and have us fixate on the storms. Fixate on the king of kings, fixate on the Lord that actually has something that he can do about the storm. And let's go in carrying testimony, walking in confidence and hanging on his promise. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much (laughs) that you go with us, that you go before us. And you really are who many say you are. You are an amazing God full of grace and mercy and strength. And Lord, you walk us through the storm. You help us to overcome. You give us the strength when it's needed. And the best we can do, which is the best, is to hope and trust in you and let other people hope and trust on other stuff. But as far as it is up to us, we're gonna hope and trust in you, Lord. And so, Father, I pray in, for everyone in this room for the storm that we may be facing right now. How big, how small, doesn't matter. Whatever storm that is, Lord, I pray that we would face it with the testimony of your truth, that we would walk at it in confidence, not in our own ability or understanding, but because we know who you are and we would hang on to the promise that you've given us because you are faithful. Lord, as we walk with these things and trusting in you, I just pray for storms to be broken, seasons to be changed, and strength to be given in Jesus' name. As we continue to pray, if you're here today and you've never before asked Jesus to come into your heart, there's many times in my life when I've gone through storms, trials, hardship, that I've always thought, man, I I don't know how you get through this without God. I don't know how you get through this without seeing the testimony and having the confidence in this amazing King. And I wanna give you an opportunity today. If you've never accepted Jesus and you wanna accept him in your heart so you can let him be, this God, (coughs) excuse me, this God who's rescued and delivered me and a lot of people in this room and David and the other people we talked about, but you'd like him to come and to rescue you and to deliver you today. If that's you, I'd love to pray with you. If you just pray this out loud or in your heart with me, Lord Jesus, thank you for your amazing forgiveness. Thank you for rescuing me today and delivering me. Lord, I put my trust in you I look forward to get to know you and to have you transform my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.